All right, I'm good to go. Uh, well, okay then. I guess we'll go. I guess we'll go. Kimberly's running here already. Here we go. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Hey everybody, I'm Kyle Rizdahl. Welcome back to Make Me Smart, where we make today make sense. And I'm Kimberly Adams. Thank you everyone for joining us on this Monday, December the 4th. It's our final week before we go on a little hiatus, a little break for the holidays. Wait, are you so excited to get away from me? Oh, stop. Stop. (laughs) I just need a break, man. I need to unplug and do all this thing. All right, we're going to do what we usually do on a Monday, some news, some smiles, uh, and, uh, and then we will be on our way. Ms. Adams, what do you got? Uh, two articles about demographic trends in the United States. One of them is courtesy of Axios, and the other one is from Vox and was flagged very helpfully uh, by Rosie Hughes over on the tech team. So the Vox one <laughs> was near and dear to my heart because it talks about why millennial women are like um, – how Millennials dr- Learned to Dread Motherhood is the exact title. Wow. And it says, to our generation, being a mom looks thankless, exhausting, and lonely. Can we change the story? And it highlights a lot of the stories that women my age and younger have been told and, and seen about motherhood, watching our own mothers sort of deal with sexism in the workplace, the penalty that you pay for being a mother. Um, if you're a black woman, terrible maternal health care and mm-hmm. the likelihood of being much more likely to die if you choose to have children, much less see what happens to your children, especially if you give birth to a black man or a black, black child in this country. And so there are all these horror stories that thankfully uh, we're having more honest conversations about how challenging motherhood can be. But what this author points out is that, you know, we may have moved so far into sort of counterbalancing this false narrative of motherhood that perpetuated for so long that it was just all roses and glory and wonderful and and swept under the rug a lot of the challenges and lack of support that american mothers you know deal with but in showing so much of how hard it is it's really made it frightening for a lot of women and it because we lack the social infrastructure and the support networks here in the united states that many other um, developed countries have it it becomes even harder which is contributing to these declining birth rates and so you know the author does a really good job of sort of laying out all of these reasons why millennial women rightfully are very hesitant to jump into motherhood and you know questions whether there's a way to change that narrative what systems need to change the fact that there's actually a lot of data showing that um, parents of children, you know, of, of either gender, do, you know, report a lot more satisfaction uh, with life in different mm-hmm. ways. And it's not all misery and horror as, as often portrayed, as I'm sure you can speak to. And mm-hmm. I thought it was just really interesting. So that was the first one. But I'm sure you're, you're a parent. You have thoughts. <laughs> Yeah, look, being a mother is is uh, thankless, exhausting, and if we can f- come up with a way in this society to make it less of those two, but also less lonely, right? It's just mm-hmm. because it's you know if you're nursing, it's you and the baby at all hours, and I mean it's it's re- it's really really hard. And honestly, if women weren't as strong as they are, we would have expired as a species millennia ago. Um, yeah, yeah, it's just it's really hard for sure. It's a long piece, but it's very good and I think very thoughtful about, 
you know, something that's been kicking around in my head for a while because many of the women in my life um, who are my age or younger just have zero interest in becoming parents. And, you know, when we were all younger, we were constantly getting berated for not wanting to have children, you know, despite all of this evidence mm-hmm. that it would not necessarily be the best uh, use of our, our, our bodies at that given point in time. Um, now that we're a bit older, those those questions are coming fewer and fewer. But, you know, it's definitely been been something. So the other uh, story is this Axios piece that aging America faces a senior care crisis. You may remember a couple weeks back I, I did a story on this new uh, proposed regulation about nursing home staffing levels Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and the fact that there's so much pushback to these regulations because there are not enough nurses. And um, there, and this article emphasizes once again, there are not enough nurses. So as America's population of seniors grows, affordable long-term care is increasingly hard to find. Nearly 70% of older adults will need long-term care services, according to Harvard's Joint Center for Housing Studies, Medicare doesn't cover those services, and Medicaid often has long wait lists for at-home support. And by the numbers, 13% of adults, uh, 75-plus in the U.S. metro areas living alone can afford assisted only 13% can afford assisted living without diving into their assets. Uh, And more than 40% of Americans 65 and older live alone. And there's, on top of the growing shortage of care providers, cycle back to the original, the first story I mentioned, um, more older people have fewer children or have no children at all, which, you know, means that they are less likely to have younger people to help Mm -hmm. take care of them. Mm -hmm. And this is a looming crisis that we've talked about on here a couple times, but it is not going anywhere. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. Make a plan, everybody. Make a plan. Yes. Or just don't get older. Yeah, that's all I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. At least not in this country. That's that's right. That's right. Uh, okay, here is mine, and it's uh, a little tidbit that comes out of uh, today's news from Spotify that they're going to lay off another 17% of their workforce, about 1,500 people. Uh, and it comes in a research note from Evercore ISI and a guy by the name of uh, Mark Mahaney, who's, a, who's a, a leading technology analyst. And here's what he wrote today. And I'll just read you part of it, and then I'll skip, and then I'll read some more. In something of a surprise, Spotify announced this morning a 17% reduction in force impacting approximately 1,500 of its employees. We don't believe this was caused by any recent deterioration in demand trends. In other words, translation, business at Spotify is fine. They go on to say, assuming approximately 200,000 all-in costs per employee, that 1,500-person RIF reduction in force, amounts to around $300 million in annual savings, which would be an almost 40% boost to the street's 2024 EBITDA. So Wall Street estimates earning before income uh, uh, taxes, depreciation, and allowances, which is a, a way to measure corporate health. In other words, Spotify is laying off 1,500 people, and that $300 million is basically going to go to its bottom line, make it look more attractive, and boost the share price. So, lest you think corporate America is not terrible. Actually, it's corporate Sweden in this case, but you know what I mean. Uh, Yeah, how about that? Circle back to the business roundtable statement about uh, (laughs) starting to value other stakeholders beyond shareholders, right? Right, right, right. Yeah. Anyway. Not so much. Anyway. Not so much. 
And Spotify right, shares up today a bunch. I don't even know what it was, but they were up. Of course, obviously. of course, because yeah. they know they're going to get that money back. Yep. Jake, let's go. All right, you've got a multimedia extravaganza here. I've only got a quick one-liner about Kiwis in Wellington, so go ahead. <laughs> uh, many thanks to my friends Michelle and Tammy for introducing me to this glorious thing that I am not sure how I have lived my life since 1996 without this being a part of my existence. So uh, this past Thursday, they held the White House uh, Christmas tree mm-hmm. lighting ceremony. And uh, Michelle and Tammy pointed me to the 1996 White House Christmas tree lighting ceremony in which Patti LaBelle was supposed to sing this Christmas. And absolute chaos ensued. They gave her the wrong cue cards. She didn't know the song. Her background singers were missing. They didn't like the the person with the cue cards because it's 1996. So teleprompters weren't always available. Uh, you know, wasn't letting her know which like member of the armed forces was playing the solo and everything. So uh, we have a clip of just a moment of this chaos in all of its gloriousness. Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my god. I mean, I what a diva. Say. What a diva. What a great job, she right? kept Come on. going. Totally. She kept going. Totally. Like, strolled out there with confidence, not knowing the song, ready to sing, continued to sing, and oh eventually god. the background singers do come out and start like singing and she's singing along with them. They never quite get the cue cards right. And I mean, the so there's this piece in Esquire from 2017 that breaks it down like minute by minute oh of wh- what happened at each moment. There's gifts, there's clips, it's glorious. And um, that is spectacular. I really just wanna, it truly is. And I just want to know whatever happened to Cue Card Man. That's all oh, I want to know. Oh, my Lord. If anybody knows, that. please, please share a link. We're, 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 we're going to leave it right there. You do your thing and then we'll get out of here. Oh, my God. Wait, what's oh your smile? God. Oh, it's a goofy one about Kiwis being born in Wellington city limits in New Zealand. The national bird hasn't been born in the city limits of the capital of New Zealand in forever. And now they found two of them. And that just made me chuckle today. But that was it. Okay, that's great. All right. All right so. Before we go, uh, it is half-priced hoodie week. Uh, If you don't have a marketplace or a Make Me Smart hoodie, you should. They're cozy. They're wonderful. I have both, and I like them a lot. Um, But they are back for a limited time. You can get a marketplace hoodie or a Make Me Smart hoodie at half the normal giving level. So that's $90 or $8 a month for coziness all the year round. And it is a win-win. So if you support this show and our other programming that you love for Marketplace, and, you know, you'll get some swag to wear around everyone's gonna be like where did you get that amazing hoodie and you can say i'm a marketplace investor and i'm cool like that 
Only lasts yeah. till Friday at midnight, though. Quantities, of course, on some <laughs> sizes are limited. Marketplace.org slash give smart. You can get a sticker pack, too. I guess we've got a Make Me Smart sticker pack as a bonus gift on top There's of your hoodie. There's three stickers. Oh, my There's three Lord. stickers. Marketplace.org slash give smart. Or if you go to the show page, there's a link there as well. Is that how you feel about it? That wasn't me. That was Jake, man. <laughs> Make Me Smart is produced by Courtney Bergseeker. Today's program was engineered by Jake Cherry. Ellen Rolfus writes our newsletter. Marissa Cabrera is the senior producer of this podcast, although she's probably questioning her life choices right about now. Bridget Bodner is the director of podcasts. Francesca Levy is the executive director of digital and on demand. You must go back and watch the whole video. I want to read that article, too, actually. I totally want to read that article.